You are listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 217, brought to you by In Stock Trades, drawer boxes by CollectionDrawer.com, and iFanboy listeners exactly like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 217. The, the pause there is key. If you pause just right, you can make Ron laugh. That's what I, I am Josh Flanagan, and I'm here with, of course, Ron Richards. Hello. <laughs> Hello, mate. <laughs> and Connor Kilpatrick. Are, are we doing voices now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> We're doing so we've, do, we've become voices? You do voices? That's, uh, yeah, that, I've got a horn here. I wasn't oh. actually doing a British act. I was trying to do Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. Oh. Hello, hello. We're <laughs> not a master of impression. No, hello. No. I like to I like to impress sitcom stars from thirty years ago as well. <laughs> Elaine, sorry, <laughs> I can do I can do single sentences of some sitcom characters. <laughs> God, all right, move on. <laughs> At ifanboy.com, we like com- we read comics when we like them too, uh, and we read them because those things go together. And every week, uh, we all read a bunch of comic books that come out that week on the Wednesday. And then one of us, usually alternating every third week, will have the task of picking the pick of the week, which is the book that they liked the best, the one that they thought was their favorite. Uh, and that's all there is to it. That's the sweet science. Uh, that's, that's boxing. Uh, then we come here, we talk about it on the podcast, we talk about the other books from the week. So even if the book that is our pick of the week is not your pick of the week, there's a good chance. I'm saying 35, 40% that we'll get to your book too. Anyway, and talk about some other stuff. Before we get to the show, we're going to talk about what happened in those books. So if you haven't read them yet, you may consider that a spoiler, and then your book should be ruined. But, uh, so come back later after you've read them or just power through. It's, all, it's cool with us, man, whatever you want to do. Ron, you had the pick this week, and go. Thank you. Uh, so my pick of the week this week was the comic book with the best cover in all the comic books released this week, as referenced in the best covers post on ifanboy.com. Good job, Connor. You're welcome. Uh, Sword number one <laughs> from Marvel Comics, uh, written by number Kier- three. Number three. Sword number three, <laughs> <laughs> written by Kieran Gillen, drawn by Steve Sanders. Uh, Steven <laughs> Sanders. Who I wonder if Steven Sanders says it's Steven Sanders to avoid any nine hundred two and O jokes. I think he does. Yeah. I think Do you he think does that too. that's out of the the cultural lexicon enough that he has to still worry about that? I don't think it is because obviously he's sung by Steven. Can I can I point something else out? Sure. When you said written by, you said it exactly like Tom Gators. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say, written by Irv Novick, pencil. <laughs> I can't, you can't talk about a book without and doing the credits without doing it. I can't match that sort of enthusiasm. Yeah, it's fantastic. Anyway, so uh, sword number three. <laughs> I, was, I knew I was doing something. I didn't know what. Thank you for placing the voice. I appreciate it. <laughs> Problem. Um, so sword number three um, is, for those of you who don't know uh, this is a new series from Marvel and it's picking up the characters that were introduced by Joss Whedon in the, in the pages of Astonishing X-Men uh, specifically Abigail Brand and the organization called SWORD which uh, SWORD stands for the Sentient World Observation and Response Department uh, and essentially the idea is that you know we have shield, we had SHIELD here on Earth and Nick Fury and you know they were the strategic hazard 
What does S.H.I.E.L.D. stand blah, for? Blah, 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 blah. It depends on who you ask. Yeah. Depends if you're in the movies or the comics. They're all yeah, different. Sure. Anyway, so so the idea is that S.W.O.R.D. exists, and S.W.O.R.D. Sword was uh, S.H.I.E.L.D., but in space. They're on a satellite in space, and they protected Earth from aliens and stuff like that. Great concept. Joss Whedon, great idea bringing it in. It was a key aspect of the last story arc of Astonishing X-Men. And then uh, and he and he got this great uh, romance between Beast and Abigail Brand. Introduced that, and then it just kind of laid there, and nobody did anything with it. And then Secret Invasion comes along, and basically uh, we get a glimpse at Brand and Sword because uh, when the Scroll Invasion happened, Sword kind of failed. So we got a kind of yeah, it did big time. Um, we got a little glimpse at that, and then we've also gotten a glimpse of Abigail Brand in the pages of um, uh, Spider Woman as she uh, Jessica Drew is hired by Abigail Brand to be an agent of Sword. Um, so they're all over around the Marvel Universe. There's been you know, different writers, different people doing stuff with this character and this organization. So they decided to give it a book, an ongoing. Um, entitled Sword, it kind of is focusing on the satellite and brand and this whole kind of world of um, protecting Earth from aliens. Um, I, I, when it, it was announced, I'll be honest, I, didn't, I was like, oh, that's going to get canceled. Like, that was my first reaction. <laughs> well, it's Would not still, necessarily wrong, nor still could happen. <laughs> right, and, and I feel bad because and, – and, and my other thought was that, was that I wasn't sure whether Brand and the Organization of Sword actually deserved or warranted a, a, a full ongoing about it. Um, so I was skeptical. And it's tough because Kieran Gillen, big fan, phonogram, you know, um, big fan of his writing. So I bought it. I bought the first issue, and I was – I had a, a general violent reaction because uh, the way Steven Sanders draws Beast was um, – Horse face Beast. Yeah. Uh, even more of a departure from the cat-like Beast uh, that Frank quietly defined uh, with Grant Morrison's run. Um, and I, it just looked it just looked wrong to me and I just I had one of those irrational kind of feelings and it permeated throughout the rest of the book. Um, the second issue I thought was scattered and just kind of all over the place and it was a lot, very chaotic. Um, but for whatever reason, I, I wrote this in my review on iFanboy.com, reading this third issue, everything just kind of clicked for some reason. It, um, the story, it, it, basically as it presents it, is that Brand's leadership has come under challenge by our favorite government bureaucrat, Henry Peter Gyrich, Um who, by you the say, way – When you say our, you mean yours. No, everyone's. I, everyone's. He's, he's the Marvel bureaucrat. You Do you know any other bi- bureaucrats? I don't know. I have Name no me one more pa- paper pusher in the Marvel Universe that you like better than Gyrich. All right. <laughs> so, um, so Henry Peter Gyrich has been assigned to uh, co-lead Sword with with Brand, and when this issue picks up, it's right after he's made the decision that you know really the only way to protect Earth is to get all the aliens off of Earth and send them back to their homes, which includes Agent Brand because she's half alien. So it starts off with Brand imprisoned. And Norman's assistant from the the Dark Avengers. Oh, Victoria Hand. Yeah. Okay. She's a good bureaucrat. There. Yeah, there you go. Fair enough. Okay. So, um, you, could, you could name her, but all right. Yeah, exactly. That was very unsatisfying. And she's kind of new, so she, I don't really think she's, you know, Guy Rich has been around since the 80s, 70s, but whatever, you know. Listen, I've derailed the show. I know. <laughs> I can feel your disappointment. So anyway, so um, um, so it so starts sending the Kryptonians back to Krypton. So sending the Kryptonians back to Krypton. So Brand is imprisoned, and be- and basically a lot of this issue is basically just Beast kind of uh, trying to manipulate everyone and orchestrate uh, breaking Brand out so that they can you know kind of set things right, and it becomes a breakout story almost. You know, like one of those that not a he- I want to say a heist, but it's not a heist because it's a breakout. Um, it's an escape. It's a prison escape, break. Yeah, story. prison break story. Um, Lockheed. As seen on the cover, Kitty Pride Dragon, who is depressed at the loss of Kitty Pride, 
Um, although that happened like two years ago, so you think he'd yes. get over it by now? Get but, over it. Yeah. Um, Stupid dragon. <laughs> but, Dragons um, have a much longer grieving period. Yeah. But uh, dragons are like trees; they see time differently than we do. <laughs> anyway, whoa, you got all Tolkien. <laughs> so um, Lockheed gets involved in the action, and Lockheed is badass, uh, which is great. And the other cool thing about this is that uh, there's a, there's this character who I believe was introduced in this book. I don't, I, I'm not sure if he was introduced anywhere else. But there's this robot that is uh, imprisoned in the maximum security uh, prison area called U- called Unit. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's not IG88. Um, scary, scary robot, dude. But so we find out we find out more about who this unit guy is, unit robot is, as he talks to Beast, and just the way Gillen writes this character and his like demeanor and the way he's kind of like playing both sides from the middle, and you get the idea that he's smarter than everyone, and and you know it's it it really just everything about this issue kind of grabbed me and held me in, and I even found myself enjoying Stephen Sanders' art a lot. Um, and not even hating uh, the way he draws Beast. I actually kind of got used to it. You didn't hate that? You liked Horse Face Beast? I, I'm, 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 I'm warming up to it. I'm warming so up to it. So you are pro Horse Face Beast. We could put I'm, you on a poster yeah. saying, <laughs> I approve. I approve of this beast. I'd say <laughs> more. Is that what you're saying? Are you saying that? Is well, that it's more is that just what I'm like, It's more just like I should calm down a little and it's an interpretation and, you know. Jesus, I can't believe we just got that recorded. Put that on a ringtone or something. <laughs> but anyway. Every so, time is going to play. <laughs> I like horse face beast. I should calm down. <laughs> what happened to what happened to uh, Jimmy McKelvey? Is he not doing backup in this anymore? He just did, he did a backup in the first issue, and that was it. He, no, he didn't do it. In the, yeah, it's too bad. And I think that's part of also in the first issue. I really because his backup, he made that unit character look really good. Um, and so, and I didn't mean that in a, in a weird. <laughs> Every way. time you say unit, I've choked back a laugh. That was like the sixth time, and I it was all. I'm only human. Yeah. But um, yeah, so Steven Sanders is is on the full book, and and his you know I I enjoyed his layouts, his storytelling was great, the pacing of some of the se- segments of the story where you know because it's it's you know it got it it, it I don't want to say it got there was tension but there was suspense you don't you know you're you don't have all the information you're seeing stuff happen and he really controlled that pace really well in the layouts. Um, yeah, I don't know it was just a fun book, and at the end of the day, at the end of the week, I was just like at the end of my stack, I was just like you know that was the one I had the most fun reading, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I kind of hope this series sticks around. Um, you, know, you know what's really underrated about Steven Sanders is um, he's got a bitchin' car. <laughs> that Corvette, man. <laughs> I, you know, you don't understand how hard it is to get uh, a hair like that to, to sort of stay under control. You realize, poor, this, this guy, Steven Sanders, is probably going to listen to this, and he's like, God, 90210 again! <laughs> you know what? The thing is, this isn't his fault. This is it's, your fault. It's my if fault. you weren't the 90210... <laughs> yeah. Steven, if you're listening, yeah. I want you to understand that Ron is... I'm going to say as big... A nine hundred two and O fan as a man in his thirties can be. I would put I would a straight put, man in his thirties. I would can put be. my my nine hundred two and O fandom on the same level as my X Men fandom. Yes, I would. Yeah, yeah. Is that a, is that on a scale of one to ten? Do you, is that ten or is that nine? Well, what what does the numbers mean? Eight five. Well, ten being like I'm outside of Jenny Garth's house every no, night. No, 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 no. I'm not crazy. <laughs> right, because the crazy people always think they are. I will admit that I did drive by Jason Priestley's house. Nine point five. Nine point five. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, would you? Okay, if you if you were in a deli and you saw Chris Claremont, like, and he was sitting at a place, he was sitting by himself, and he was eating a sandwich, and he clearly looked like he didn't want to be disturbed. Would you still go talk to him? No, I would not. Wow. Would you? Would you bang the counter and say Claremont? <laughs> <laughs> his, his focus is just amazing. 
Um, no, I've, I've come around in that I don't want to bother people. I've, I've had opportunity to talk to Claremont at cons. I've been like six feet away from him. I, I leave well, him alone. It's, it's, it was a joke about how crazy you were. Right. You kind I, of know, I got it. I got it. Ruined. But now if I was in a deli and I was standing next to Jenny Garth, uh, it would be – yeah, forget it. So. All right, but what about like a lesser star? Like what about like Emily Valentine? Oh, well, I think we, 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 we know we, we know this is our we know this has already happened, Josh. That's true. <laughs> when I went up to the girl who was in like three episodes and gushed that she was on nine oh two and oh and then said, Oh, so what are you doing now? And I looked down at all the Playboys friends at her table. <laughs> that was embarrassing. All right, amazing, amazing. Didn't buy anything. Wow, we're off the rails in less than yeah, ten minutes. Um, so I enjoyed Sword Number Three. It was really good. Um, it's you know the first two issues are probably still in your store if you want to catch up. If you like kind of you know spacey stories, if you like how tied into it is the, into the X Men. Not it? at all. No, not no. not. Another question for you. Somebody on the message board posted this, and I, I was curious. Uh, if they don't buy the first two issues, they just buy the third issue. Will they? Will they be okay? Yeah, there's a recap page. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So pick it. Give it a shot. So, to get away. there you go. Yeah, there you go. So, good times. Sword number three. You know, and it's just it's like these fun. It, it reminds me of these like div, like on the outskirts books. You know, like why we like Nova and Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff like that. They're not. This isn't you know, siege. This isn't the big event or whatever. But it just it's it's, it's on its own. Yeah, it's, it's on its own. It's a good comic book. So I, I won't read. I won't read books like that. Books that are on their own, I don't care about. He needs a, he needs a banner on top. Yeah. Unless it's tied no in. banner, Josh ain't reading it. Unless it's tied into something that's got a big name attached. It has to be at least one step away from Mark Miller. Jeez. If not, then I won't read it. So hey, uh, a, a close yeah. runner-up to pick of the week, though, was Amazing Spider-Man 617. Oh. You, yeah. you know what Joe Kelly and Max Fury and Mora do when they're not doing indie books? They're doing Spider-Man. Yeah. They're not finishing their indie books. What was great about this was, um, well, first, as Connor, you also highlighted this cover on the covers post, which was yep. a good, good call. And I actually got the variant one too, which is just the it's the white and it's a little cracks. It's like before he broke through it. Oh right. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, um, what's great about this issue? So, so the, the, we're in the middle of the gauntlet thing with Spider-Man, where they're focusing on basically they're they're reinventing all of his rogues gallery. Have you like? And it's, yes. it's classic rogues gallery, yeah. Sandman and and Rhino and and. And uh, Electro was the first one, I think. Yeah, and like a really good, and and we've already got Lady Craven, and and you know, like in a really good way. Like this is the this is the kind of stunt that I should be like, oh, this sucks, but like they're doing it really well. Yeah, they did this in another book. I can't remember. Oh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I can't imagine where they got the idea. But um, uh, hey, you know what worked when we did this ten years ago? <laughs> you know what was um what was great about this book was the uh, was the original Rhino. Yes. No, this was a really great book. This yeah. was one of the better Spider-Man issues, I think, in a while. Yeah. And they've um, been pretty good, so... They've been, they've been really good, so this is one of the more standout ones. Like, you got to give Joe Kelly a lot of credit. He really nails this book every time he writes a, yeah. an issue or an arc. Um, he's perfect for Spider-Man. It's, he's, he's got that balance of humor and, and drama just nailed, and he really does a good job of portraying Peter Parker as the quintessential peter parker he's you know he's he's a lovable loser here yeah. and it's it's fascinating because he did not write spider-man for most of his career yeah. i mean this is only a recent thing this is the first time he's ever had any real real time with the character and uh you know the and the other part of that is him bringing along artists like max fiamura and and i i mean i want to see the next issue of four eyes as much as anybody but uh this is a real good looking book this what, what i love about these these uh gauntlet stories is that these are pretty much one and dones too yep Mm-hmm. Um, and like this one, not only not only do you get the great story with, but basically the the storyline is that the old Rhino is gone straight. He's fallen in love. He's a security guard at a casino in Yonkers, um, 
and <laughs> 25 minutes north of Midtown, my ass. <laughs> it is by the, it is. By the, train, no, it is by the, by the Metro North. It is, yeah. Driving it is in the right traffic conditions. Okay, yeah, so yeah. at two in the morning. Um, well, but um, and so the so he's living a straight life, and now there's a new rhino who feels the need to go and uh, assert his new identity with the old rhino. But um, takes down the old, yeah. bring in the new. He doesn't want any part of that. Uh, if we can get back to the art for a second, though, I thought there was at least one panel per page where I went, "Wow!" Yeah. Yep. I mean, it was just fantastic. They've they've really done a really good job, not just with the writers, but with with well, pairing these artists on this book that have a really classic look to them and and. The styles are not necessarily the same, but they all they all have that classic comics look. Yep. You know, Javier Pluto is the backup artist, and he couldn't be any more different than Fumora, but they both have a similar look in that and it, it just seems like they're not overly busy pages. They're not, there's not a lot of cross-hatching, and, but they're all, they all seem very, very classic. And I was going to say yeah. that, that in addition to the one, the, one, the, the, the one and done story about the Rhino, there is a backup story, which is great, written by Joe Kelly, Javier Paluto, like you said, which is basically bringing you up to speed on what's going on with the old Rhino, like how he got to this issue, which I thought was a great companion piece. See. Yeah, I think this was the highest pick of the week book from mm. the community on the site. Yeah. And uh, I was glad to see it because, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, Fumura is not – a typical fan favorite kind of artist. You know what I mean? Like I look at it and I think it's beautiful, but I found that is no barometer for how the public feels. Yeah. Right. Um, in like the last artist, Paul as a setta, like I thought that those were great and beautiful pages. And it's just really good to see people reacting like this. I, I like his, it a lot. His Spider-Man looks kind of like Jay Lee. Well, I was going to say it looks like, it looks like Ditko. Well, it's, I mean, it has like yeah. a lot of different people in it, but yeah. I think the color... Next next month is uh, Marcos Martin, I believe. Oh, next yeah. issue. And we are it's an embarrassment of riches. It really is. Uh, Spider Man's just so good. It's They've so done fun. a really good job of really keeping a high level of talent on this book consistently. It's, and, it's yeah. getting really more ridiculous for people because to, to keep complaining about the brand new day stuff when it's like, uh huh. Yeah, we talked about two years ago. I mean, yeah. Well, no, I, I, brand new day. I'm done. I'm over with. It's is the the they 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 nailed it in that first year, and it's just mm-hmm. and aside from the Mark Guggenheim experience, which we want to forget, um, that one blemish on their perfect record, as far as I'm concerned. And th- this might be the best single issue of this in a while. Like I real, I just Joe mm-hmm. Kelly wrote the hell out of this Rhino story. I mean, just like I found myself, you know, like you know, when they're getting in, into when Peter, like when when Spider-Man confronts uh, the old Rhino before he's about to put the Don his on Don his old costume and go face the guy. Like I was just like, oh, that's great. That's what Spider-Man is. Yep. You know, oh, it was so good, so good, so really good. Yeah. Um, in a little while, we're going to talk about the earlier part of this story, but right now, I wanted to mention unwritten number nine. Uh, this probably would have been my pick of the week. Are, are either I know you're not, Ron, but Connor, are you still reading this in issues? No, this is the first issue I, I dropped off of. Mm. Um, it, uh, the, the thing about this was is that much like – I forget what the other series – what was my pick last week? Sweet Tooth. Uh, <laughs> much like that one, like for a couple of them, I was, like, I was liking it, but I, I wasn't loving it. And the past couple of these, I thought they were fun and they were interesting. And it's funny because I was seeing everybody else – really raving about Unwritten, and we get a lot of questions. Like, well, how come you're not talking about this? And I was like, I don't know. Nothing really stood out for me to talk about. Uh, This issue, there's a lot of stuff that stood out for me to talk about. And it sort of ended this, I guess, like the second arc where where, uh, one of the characters goes to prison, basically. Um, And there was a there was a, I know, I was being vague, but it was kind of stupid to be that vague. Anyway, uh, there was... Give a spoiler warning! It's true. Well, Ron hasn't read it. I'm okay. Uh, you gave a spoiler warning. It's my own fault. All right. Anyway, the whole time, it was a man in the crying game. Uh, 
She's a he. She's a he. Don't look between the. Oh, (laughs) anyway, there was a choice at the end of this book uh, to do something really horrible. And I was like, oh, and I was I was very I was very surprised. Uh, And and it it sort of brought me ripped me right back into the story. I was like, oh, this is something they're going to have to deal with. And it set up it set up a couple of different uh, problems that that the protagonists are going to have to deal with going forward. You know, the art's been as good as it's been all along. There's some stuff that goes on in this book that you don't really understand because it's sort of vague for stuff that you'll learn later, leaving that trail of breadcrumbs and things like that. Uh, great, great issue. This has been the best one uh, for me since the Rudyard Kipling issue, which I thought was uh, fantastic. So that's still the best issue. And, and, mm, and we're going yeah. to talk about that in a little bit when we talk about the book of the month. So are we? We are. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, oh so, no. It's so, not in my script. <laughs> hey, we talked about this. Adventure Comics number six, I think right now is my pick of the week, although, although it was jockeying for position with Amazing Spider-Man. But this was the final issue of Jeff Johns and Francis Manipal's six-issue run on Adventure Comics, and they, they took the whole issue over in this one. They had the whole Thank 32 God. pages or whatever it was. Um, really, he, you know, it's funny because I never really was a big fan of Superboy uh, didn't really, you know, I like Superman. I didn't need Superboy. He had an earring and a leather jacket and a douchey haircut. So it, wasn't really like, <laughs> it was douchey. I uh, didn't really need, you know, I didn't really like him. But, you know, over the years, Je- Jeff Johns, and he's, he's, he's told us in person that he, I think he's his second favorite character. Is yeah, a- after Wally. Um, he's really, in my, for me, he's really rehabilitated him in, in, ter- in not just here, but in Justice, in, in Teen Titans and the other books he's written with, with, with um, Connor. Uh, in the in it, and he does a really. This six issue made me like him more than I've ever liked him. Yeah. He had a really good handle on him. And well, it's it's interesting because it's because this whole throughout this whole story, he's been doing that whole kind of journal entries where he's you know Superboy because he's torn because he's part Superman, part Lex Luthor, and he's you know doing the what did Superman do, what did Lex do, and he didn't know which way he was going to go. He's had an evil turn before, and th- this you know brought it to a resolution and had him decide that you know of course he's going to be on the side of good more than evil. Um, and I thought it, that process made him become more endearing. Um, and he really nailed that. And uh, at the same time, I was like almost sick to my stomach by Lex in this issue. Like, literally, made, like Lex is an evil fucking like, bastard. Like this That's... was this was not like this was not a fun. This was an uncomfortable read. It, yes. It, yeah, and it was like oh man, and, like it was dark. It's oh man, man. But yeah, beyond that, I like the construction of the issue in that yeah. basically, I mean, in, from, in my head, the entire six issue story has been told over the campfire to the rest of his friends. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it, and the, the reveal is that Superboy is sitting around a campfire, literally with Super, with uh, Rob, Red Robin, Kid Flash, and Wonder Girl, and he's been telling them all about his time in Smallville with uh, Lex Luthor, and yeah. that's it's it's kind of corny, but kind of not, which is what Jeff Johns is. That's the zone he lives in. Yeah, and uh, it he treads that very he treads that very fine line. Yeah, uh, the thing that the thing that I really liked about this was the tease of the whole thing, because the whole time you were kind of wondering. Well, is Lexer going to do it? Is he not? And really, right up until the end, you didn't, Mm-mm. you didn't know because yeah, you had no you thought, idea. Because the, the the one thing about the character is he's, there's been so many interpretations of Lex Luthor that, in a way, they can kind of do anything with him. And there's not many readers who can be like Lex wouldn't do that because you don't know. Yeah, 
because there's always whatever that ulterior motive is that that he's always got. And the the thing that we're skirting around is the whole the gist of the issue is that he uh, Lex's Lex's you know he's messing with Superboy and he shows up and turns out his his sister lives in Smallville. She's in a wheelchair and she's you know incurable. But then Luthor says no, I I can do it and makes Superboy go all around getting all these gathering the stuff to make a cure. Cures his sister. She can get out of the wheelchair. She's fine. And then gives maybe like what like a minute. And then shoots her with another syringe and puts her right back in the state she was. Well, just not just to, a wheelchair, but yeah. also she's a like a, yeah. a sort of vegetable. And yeah. he, he cures her. Yeah. She gives her a minute with her, do- her daughter yeah. and him. And then he just shoots her right back and says, goodbye. Yep. Like he's an evil fucking man. He just wanted to prove that he could do it. And as he says, yeah. Lex giveth and Lex taketh, taketh away. And it was just like, oh, you're not a god. You bastard. So anyway, it was, it was a great issue. And, and oh, man, I can't wait for Flash. <laughs> Manipal, oh, it's gonna be glorious! It's gonna be wonderful. So I just love. I think it. Was, I, I know a lot of people were upset about them leaving, but I think it was a nice six issue run. I don't know it that was. you know. Yeah. You had a nice conclusion. There was a there was an arc here. You didn't. I don't necessarily need any more than that. Yeah. I gl- um, I gladly would give. I, I mean, this six issue is fine. I don't need more Superboy. I want Flash. So yeah, Ron, are you still on Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I, oh yeah, am I on Buffy the Vampire Slayer? <laughs> Hey, uh, another cover. The, hello. The, the third best cover of the week on ifanboy.com. Yeah. Uh, the George Jaunty's uh, romance uh, yep. Lichtenstein nod. Lichtenstein-esque cover. Yeah. I thought George Genty drew the hell out of this issue, but yes, for, hell me, yeah. for me, this was it for me. Like I've I've been on the fence back and forth whether or not I was going to drop off, and I think I have no idea. Where this is going, nor do I care. I don't know what's happened. Like ever since the the vampire, I'm sorry, the Dracula arc, I don't think I've cared anything about what's happened in the story. Things aren't so sunny in uh, Sunnydale these days, or in Buffydale. Um, it's it, it's been it's been a rough go. Um, and and Whedon wrote this, didn't he? That's why I, I was going to yeah. drop off with this issue, but then I saw that this was a Whedon yeah. re- Whedon written one shot story so i said all right i'll get that one and it was fine he really knows the characters and blah 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 but see that the overall story i don't know it i don't care about it i forgot completely that there's a guy named twilight in the background there was the whole controversy this week about right. buffy gate was. i love buffy gate um, um well I, well i won't spoil it for people if you weren't online but yeah. it it I, did, I he showed up briefly in this issue. And I went, oh yeah. Like I don't even remember he was there. I just I don't yeah. feel any connection to the story well, anymore. And, and that's the thing. And if it goes back, if you remember when we were talking about this, we're, on, it, we're this is season eight and this is issue thirty one. And I think it's going to supposed to go like forty or no, like the, it, it's it's going to end after the Meltzer arc. I think this it's season. got a while to it's go. A, like I I still think, and I said it a while ago. They should have ended this at issue twenty two, issue twenty three. Like a TV season, and then started season nine and get a lot of energy around it because now it's just like it feels like it's dragging on. Like I feel I feel as if Whedon didn't didn't quite figure out how to tell a Buffy season in comic form over the long haul. Yeah, and and that and that's the that's the real problem. That's the there was real a challenge. lot of great stuff in this season. In this yep. thirty one issues, there's been a lot of great issues. This was one. This was I think two summers ago, one of my top five books. And yeah. We talked about in the barbecue video show. And back then it was great. Two years ago it was a fantastic comic, but uh, now between now and then there's been too much just it's garbage. It's hard. Yeah. yeah, it's a hard read. But um, uh, fans of Buffy, stay tuned to the end of the show because uh, we'll have a little announcement that you might want to hear about. But um, um, if you want to hear more about Buffy and this whole kind of world that we're talking about, but it's rough. It's and so after this issue, Meltzer comes on for a four issue arc, which is supposed to, um, I believe it's after this issue. Um, which is gonna hit, which is gonna tackle the whole Twilight thing and all that sort of stuff, and I'm just hoping that it, they bring it in for a landing. 
You know. I'm continuing to marvel, though, at George Genti's ability to draw these characters that look enough like the actors without making them all DVD still frame shots. Yep. It's, he's really incredibly good at that. It's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. He's, he, uh, John T's great. I mean, his, the, the art in this was, you're right, he drew the hell out of this. Yeah, next month, Meltzer comes back uh, with, the, with the story arc called Twilight. So, yeah. Yeah. You'll have to tell us all about it. I will. In the meantime, you, this episode of My Fanboy's Pickle Podcast is brought to you in part by Drawer Boxes from CollectionDrawer.com. Drawer Boxes are the strongest storage container made for comics. They can be stacked up to six high to maximize the square footage. And because they work like a drawer, every comic in your collection remains accessible by simply pulling a drawer open. Long and short drawer boxes can be combined and linked together with box locks, box anchors, in any configuration to fit any space and remain secure with absolutely no tipping or slippage. And now the contents can be organized and sorted to meet the needs of any collector. With these issue immediately accessible drawer boxes, box sort, upright dividers, and box locks, box anchors are exclusive trademarks of CollectionDrawer.com and are available at CollectionDrawer.com. You can see me put one together and fill it with comics on our video show. You just look back on the feed for that. And you, you didn't set up the system, though, because that's what they got is the system. <laughs> stack a bunch of them, connect No, them I didn't together. put them together. I just built one. It's so like Habit Trail, but, <laughs> Habit Trail, but for comics. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how I was going to put them together, so, you know. All right. <laughs> Plus, I still haven't found all the ones I sp- spilled everywhere. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so jar boxes are very cool. Yeah, so um, make sure when you order them, mention iFanboy so they know you heard it here and the advertising works. Yes, it does. And they're, they're great used to I'm, – I, honestly, I'm looking at my lawn boxes and thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. But. Honestly, what did it for me and the reason why I'm switching over is – and I think people are going to be annoyed by this, but I don't care. Is, and this is the truth – is that I'd go to my storage unit to get comics for the shows – and the stuff in the bottom, I'd have to, you know, take yeah. everything off the top and, and and lug everything around and try to find stuff I'm looking for. Whereas now I can just open up, I can pull them open. A couple of years ago, I could I could write that off as like, oh, it's a good workout. Now it's just annoying. So now it's just oh, a sore day the next day. Now yeah. it, it hurts for like three days. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're old. <laughs> So, um, my back. So, uh, the previous pick of the week a couple of weeks ago was Day Tripper by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Gabriel Bond. Issue number two came out this week, and you know it's it's not it's not even fair. How- sexy time. Oh yeah, this is a Brazilian sexy time. <laughs> Let's go to Brazil, guys. <laughs> um, it's great. I've been to Brazil. It's fantastic. Um, not like this though. But um, <laughs> another just amazing issue by them. Another, it's just it's great. It's just I love this. I love this I, book. I love that. I don't, I don't know where this series is going or what it's about. Yep. No, but you're starting to get an idea about what it might be. Right. With yep. this one, but uh, I mean, if it's like just a, a single sort of alternate story, each issue that'll be that could be really interesting. Yeah, if they can keep up the imagination and that stuff, and like uh, sexy time. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it 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 plays up to the same kind of trope that the first issue did, where it just shows a day in the life of a guy and it ends with him dying, and it's it's uh, and the the end obituary at the uh, it's just oh it's just. I don't know. It's just great. They're really impressing with this. Series. It's poetic, really. It's like this yes. is a comics poetry. Sure, that's that's the thing that was so great about the first issue. It yeah. was it was atmospheric. It was poetic, and it did a lot of things yeah. that made it unique. To yeah, what you read normally during the. So week. it's issue two. Go go get issue one. Get issue two. It's it's great. You could even you could even just get issue yeah. two. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. they're self-contained. 
Yeah. I imagine the poetry trans- transforms itself into Nation X 2 quite nicely. Well, as you say, the segue of all segues, uh, Nation X number two came out. Uh, this is the X-Men anthology, X-Men anthology book that's coming out around this whole Nation X kind of storyline. And I just want to say, like, I, I'm loving these little these little anthology books. As For an X-Men fan, and it's not everybody, and I'm not saying that you've got to stop what you're doing and go do it, but it's just a great way to highlight the different characters that are in the background of Uncanny and aren't getting that much screen time. Um, you know, but are still existing. You still might care about them. Um, this had three stories in it, uh, focusing one focusing on Jubilee, which was uh, written by C.B. Sabolsky and Jim McCann, friends of the show, and uh, art by Mike Choi. Um, and a great story about North Star uh, trying to make it work with his boyfriend, with um, written and drawn by Tim Fish, which was a great kind of cartoony style. And then the last story was a Gambit story um, by Becky Cloonan, written and drawn by Becky Cloonan. So like it's they're getting cool people to do it and it's it's a different take on these characters and for an X-Men fan it's fun. So I liked it. Josh, Good. yeah, and the lo- diehard. I, I looked away for a half a second. Uh, <laughs> Connor, you read this all the way through, right? Yes, yes. All right, you may remember we talked about the first issue of Die Hard Year 1 which is uh John McClane in the I guess early 80s, late 70s, something no, like that. No, it's 76. It's the bicentennial That's yeah. right. Okay. Um, and this, I'm going to nitpick now more than I ever have, at least in a while. It was fine. Like it, He did that kind of thing that you were talking about that Genty did. Like He made it look kind of like Bruce Willis, but not really. Uh, it was kind of interesting. I didn't, like think, that. I didn't think it was successful. I didn't no, think that. No, well, except it, for the last panel. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there's a thing that bugged the hell out of me in this. Is the whole issue is time-stamped. Did you notice that? Like at the beginning, I, it was like at ten forty three, this happens, and then this, did, but like twenty four, yeah, maybe, yeah. But but what happened is is that they would put them randomly in the panels, and so like so like there's one point where like one of the bad guys goes downstairs, and McLean is sneaking behind him, so he crosses past him, and it timestamps it as like at ten fifty one, and then like they turn around and punch at each other, and it's like. 1058. I was like, so that took seven minutes? <laughs> and like, it kept happening the whole way through. And it was really badly done. And once I saw that, wrecked the whole rest of the issue for me. Uh, if you didn't yeah. read those, it was fine and it was, it was fun and whatever. I didn't, even, I didn't even register those, to be honest with you. Was, you, were, you were better off because they did not yeah. make sense. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I see. 1131, he shoots at John McClane. They fight to 1137. That's a long fist fight. <laughs> like, if you're, six minutes doesn't seem long, but if you're in a fist fight, that is a long fist fight. Yeah, on a hijacked boat. It's very, yeah. very tense. Yeah. I thought, other than the timestamp problem, which I didn't even notice until now, thanks, Josh, for ruining it. Yeah, um, no I thought what Howard Shaker did really well in this issue, almost better than anything, was really capturing the feeling of 70s New York, which, granted, I was very, very little, but even into the 80s, you have the same feeling of this this sort of rough, dirty, dank city that, you know, yeah, came that, and he, 10 years he, later. For the I thought most that part, was really strong. That was really strong. That was the strongest part of it. And that, and then, But I thought he also did a pretty good job of sort of imagining a John McClane at that time. He was pretty yeah, good. a young rookie cop, John McClane, just out of Vietnam. Kind of smug. A, on a police force that everyone hated at the time. It was. It was. I thought it was really strong. This was a nice surprise, and it's not a miniseries. It's still going. So, oh, cool. Um, I'll be picking up the next one. All right. And Back. Batgirl number six. I talk a lot about Power Girl, and I think Batgirl deserves to be talked about just as much as Power Girl does. It is a really strong, in in the same sense that Ron talked about Sword being a sort of out of out of the whole event world and on its own and. 
And Batgirl is, is a Bat book, obviously, and the, the, there's that whole sort of mini non-event Batman thing going on where they're all sort of tied together but not. This is in that world, obviously, but it's not something you need to read anything else to enjoy, and it's really a really fun book. And they, they've turned Stephanie into a really fun character. This is written by Brian Q. Miller, who I've never read anything That sounds like before. a fake name. Brian, anyone with Q in the middle yeah, of exactly. Didn't you just talk about something by a guy named Fish? Yeah. Well, fish. there you go. Fish. <laughs> Tim Fish. Um, yeah. Tim Fish. That's a fake name, too. <laughs> I think you can totally pick this up, even though it's part two of the story. It's written where you can pick up what's happening, and there's a, basically it's a kidnapping investigation, and because the kidnapped victim is a son of a wealthy developer, Batman and Robin horn in on the case. Batgirl's involved because she goes to school with the guy. She's in college. And uh, basically... She and Robin Bicker like siblings, so Batman says, you're both off the case, and they both decide they're not going to listen to Batman, so they go off, and so it's she and Damien um, trying to work together, and he, if I, he wants to stab I, her all the time because she's stupid. If I was going to be all petulant with Batman, I would say, whatever, dick. I would say that all <laughs> the nice. time. Um, it's really strong. Oracle's disappointing. She, she basically runs Batgirl. She's the supporting cast, and so there's a lot of tension between, between Dick and her. And the, the only thing that I have to say negatively towards the book is... And it's not really towards the book's problem. It's the general philosophy. I don't. I still don't understand all the animosity that they have. The characters, for sure, towards Stephanie, especially Tim, who I think I think Josh is still reading at the time when she came back, and he was like unnaturally angry at her for some reason. Yeah, and uh, that's carried on through this issue. Or well, the, the, I, I would say that I think the, the catalyst for that was all that a that he he lied to her, or she lied to him along with with Bruce. But she was then, supposed to be dead. I mean, I mean yeah. she lies by not telling you. You're alive, but I think you get over it at this point. Well, anyway, it's kind of a big, but I mean, I, I can understand that lasting a little while, and also that she was in on something with Bruce that he didn't know about, and that yeah, will cause jealousy. Can be that, but uh, you'd think you'd get over seeing your long lost girlfriend alive. Yeah. But uh, that's just you. You'd be like, that, let's go to bed, baby. Let's do it. We'd already be in bed before this even got to the story. So, anyway. uh, but if you're reading Power Girl, you like even the Batman books. You need to be reading Batgirl number one. It's quickly becoming one of the better. Um, bat books cool so meanwhile back in the marvel universe steve rogers is back in the it's about time (laughs) in the marvel's project (laughs) um i forgot the marvel's project is being published issue five came out um and he's not reading i'm I'm reading it Um, well that's one i wanted to talk about this book because i think this is one of if not the best book that's coming out that no one talks about yeah it's amazing yeah, it is really good. Yeah, and it's How not. And I think a lot of it's do with Steve Epting's art, which is just phenomenal. Yeah, well, the whole team is Dave Stewart, the colorist on it. Yes, I mean, Dave Stewart's yeah. the color. It's it's a it's a the book is beautiful, and this whole issue is about Steve Rogers becoming Captain America. He goes on his first mission. We see the Red Skull do some horrific things, and yep. I was just reading this, marveling at the fact that no one talks about this book, and it's not like the biggest thing out in comics right now because it's it is a book out of you know. Air quotes you can't that you can't see I'm doing out of continuity in an earlier time in, yeah. in that yeah. it's, yes it's continuity but it's not it doesn't it's not affecting anything else that's happening so it's yeah. not, how many issues support. is this supposed to go eight eight, eight. this is going to make really one hell of a, a collection book. I, I, think think I was going to say the exact same thing yep we're yeah. going to recommend this one a lot yep yeah so I can tell you it's that it's fantastic already. yep. yep. All right, cool. So on to the uh, user reviews. Um, if you go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics, you can see all the books that came out this week, and you can write uh, your own reviews of them after you read them. And the first one comes from O'Caroline, uh, which is uh, she reviewed X-Men Origins Cyclops and gave the story a 2 out of 5 and the art a 3 out of 5, and nobody mm-hmm. made it their pick of the week. 
And O'Caroline says, overall, this is pretty skippable unless you're a big fan of the Summers Brothers relationship, which to me is one of the most interesting family relationships in comics and always needs more attention than it gets. That was enough for me to enjoy this book, but if you don't care about that, I wouldn't bother with this issue. It won't give you any new insight into Cyclops, although it's comforting to know that whatever whatever they recon, Professor X will always be a jerk. So, um, and I have to agree with O'Caroline on this. I bought this after reading the uh, X-Men Origins Iceman one, remember that I loved? Um, hoping yes. that Hoping that this would be great. But um, uh, this was not very good. So. I don't see how she enjoyed a book she gave a 2 out of 5 and a 3 out of 5. Well. That's just me. Yeah. So she people, people do different things with their numbers, man. You mean yeah. everybody doesn't have the same definition of those numbers? You're kidding me. Turns out. <laughs> I'm going like to bring dudes, down an iron fist in these numbers. <laughs> some dudes never give a 5, ever. <laughs> Jim Ski's never given a 5 in his life. Wow. Me, whatever's best that week, that gets a 5. Yeah. I grade on a curve. Uh, next up, comic book Chris. We don't know how he grades. Uh, he talked about Catwoman Blackest Night, number 83. Gave a story of 4 out of 5 and the art of 5 out of 5. So apparently he liked it. The pick of the week percentage is a 0.6%, less than 1%. Even for those who didn't read this arc, read the arc that this one references, the story is 100% penetrable. As Bedard uses the first page to set the stage and mood for the entire issue with a recap and pictures of the events leading up to here, it's not complicated at all as it's a pretty simple story going in. There were also about four artists credited for this issue, but everything looks pretty seamless and almost imitates David Lopez's style for the latter Catwoman issues. So everything about Catwoman 83 was great as I had quite a bit of fun reading this. Not only does this have more heart and emotion than a big chunk of the Blackest Night tie-ins, but it also continues the story from what I think is one of the best comic runs ever. If you enjoyed this issue, I urge you to pick up the rest of this Catwoman series It is, an, it is as it is absolutely stellar. That was a long... This was the um, first week that I, I didn't buy any Blackest Night titles. I didn't buy any of the, the, the next issues or any... You know, I was just like, you know, none of them. They're, they're, they're not for me. So, but This was, this was okay. It was... Uh, I didn't... I read Catwoman up until Brubaker left it, and then I dropped off of that. Um, yeah. So I never read towards the end. I didn't read the stories of this references, but this was okay. This was fun. Um, I would disagree with him that the different artists were seamless. You could really tell when they were, and they were all fine, so it wasn't a problem, but it was really it wasn't apparent seamless. when they switched artists. Yeah. But it was fine. They were all good artists, so it didn't make a difference. Oh, the, um, rushed, the rushed books of Blackest Night. Yeah. So. The, um, the other one that came out was pretty good, the Power Shazam one that had Don Kramer, who was becoming really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like really good, um, I was pretty. I was pretty impressed by his art in that, in that book. Yeah, he's been he's been good on everything he's done for a while now. I yeah, mean, they, just need to, they need to put him on something and let him go. You know, let him if run with it. Yeah, yeah he's turned. He, he, he did Nightwing for, you know, like a year. Yeah, he was on Detective with Deanie for a good long while. He yeah. just did that uh, JSA versus Cobra with Eric Troutman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that so, turned out really, really good. Well. Yeah, yeah. I'd love, it'd be nice to see him get you know get on a book and stay there for a while. It seems like they're shuffling him around a lot for yeah. whatever reason. This Catwoman is good. If you read Catwoman, you would like it. It was a nice little tale. Cool. Um, all right, so go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics. You can see all the books that came out, rate and review them, and do your pull list and all the fun stuff. Uh, so book of the month time. So uh, to start off the new year, I had the, the wonderful task of doing the book of the month for January. And I, I think I threw you guys a curveball with this Admit one. Admit it. I? You're fucking with us. Yeah. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't read that. <laughs> I have no idea you're what You're fucking with us. You're fucking with me. Yeah. You're fucking with Josh. If I could just bring you back to when I refreshed the page and saw what the book of the month was, I said, huh? 
<laughs> I did the same thing. I don't remember what had happened. I think it was. Uh, I think it was when I was editing the piece. I went, wait a minute. <laughs> so, so the book of the month was uh, the Unwritten Volume One, uh, Tommy Taylor and the Bogus Identity, and it was written by Mike Carey with art by Peter Gross, uh, published by, by Vertigo slash DC Comics. And um, we were we talked about this earlier in the show with Unwritten Number Nine came out this week, so it's good timing that we're talking about this book. Um, so you know, we those of you longtime listeners of the show, you know, I've got a little bit of a bias towards Vertigo, uh, a, a, a irrational bias that was presented about, oh, what, 10, 15 years ago in a reaction to Goths and Sandman, which yeah, has been proven we- wrong again and again, I know. <laughs> um, and in fact, I find myself reading more Vertigo now than I really have ever um, at any point in time. Um, and Vertigo does some great stuff. Um, but uh, I, admittedly, and no offense, Josh, I didn't love Fables. Um, I think I, I, I understand it's well-written and, and that's good, but I always kind of tease and joke that it's, you know, if you're an English major, you'll love it. Um, and when I heard the premise for The Unwritten, I thought it was like, oh, it's another Fables-like book. Because basically what the idea was, and it's, it's a great premise, it's a clever, clever premise. Um, in, it, there's, a, there's an author who wrote a series of books that are very similar to like the Harry Potter series of books about a character named Tommy Taylor. And um, that author uh, went missing. He never finished the series. And now his son, who is named Tommy Taylor, who the character was supposedly based on, Tom uh, Tom Taylor, is um, is making a career of just appearing at uh, conventions about the books um, and doing signings and making appearances and kind of living off his father's legacy. G- great premise. Great, great premise. Um, a lot of little jabs in at the uh, at pop culture and also the comics world. Like there's a in the first issue, there's a picture. He's at Tommy Con, and it's a basically it's a, a rip off of the San Diego Comic Con logo, which is I thought was funny. Um, but Mike Carey did did a really interesting thing with this, and in then he made a clever he made a he came up with a clever premise, and then he executed it really well and made it not only more clever but really grabbing by introducing a whole bunch of different ideas in this first volume that totally got me. Um, the idea that maybe Tommy Taylor really is the kid from the book, and maybe there's a whole other dimension of fictional worlds that there are portals on our Earth that access to, and maybe his father had access to that. There are Maybe there's a whole organization that kind of controls fiction writers. And this all got laid out in these first five issues that are collecting this trade paperback, and it was just so compelling and totally grabbed me. I, I sat down and read it, and I didn't put it down. I finished it, and, you know, I finished it in one sitting. Um, I really like Peter Gross's art. Uh, very, very clean, almost easily dismissed as the Vertigo style kind of style of art. Um, but he, he, do you know that he? I mean, the big thing he did before was was Lucifer. Uh, yep. But he didn't do that by himself. He okay. did every issue of Lucifer with Ryan Kelly. Interesting. They, they. I don't. I couldn't even tell you how they broke it up. Right. But uh, it was like a combination of their styles. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, so it, it really, it really, really impressed me, and I thought it was, um, uh, it was a clever idea. If you're an English major, you'll love it. But at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time, like I'm, I'm gonna read these in trade. Like I'm totally hooked. I'm on board. Even a dumb guy like you can like it. Yeah, even a, yeah, even a, a short-sighted, you know, X-Men fan <laughs> can read it. Um, no, I, li- I like this. I, yeah. I, I, despite dropping it this week for a trade, it wasn't any reflection of the story. I like this this book a lot. Yeah. Um, and the issue that gets mentioned most often, which which it deserves to, is the Rudyard Kipling issue in this. Which I think it's issue five. It's the last. Something? It's the last story in this trade paperback, it's and five. and that's the one that really got me because it was a it was a one and done uh, story about Rudyard Kipling introducing, showing, giving. It, it basically expanded the universe, and it was like, oh, what you know, what he's building up here is bigger than just this one story, which I love. I love a conspiracy theory. I love that sort of thing. So. Um, 
Yeah, it was that great. was that was just an amazing single issue. But the whole thing, the whole idea, I like to play on Harry Potter. It's but it's not cutesy. Yeah, um, it's enough. It's winking enough where if you like that, you know, it's amusing. But it doesn't really affect the story in the, other than gives you context immediately for the yeah. characters and for the world. And you, you understand the Harry Potter hysteria, so you understand the Tommy Taylor hysteria. Yeah. It doesn't. You don't need to you know build too much on that. You can just go go with it. It's nice. It's it a really was, strong story. Yeah, it was just really really smart and well done. And Peter and Peter Gross and, and Mike Carey worked really well together. I think. In terms of you know getting across yeah, the, the mood, arts, the art's great. The art doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that's one of the things that I was really, really impressed by the art. So, um, and Mike Harry's a great writer, and I know that. I'm not, you know, I, I've never, you know, dis, you know, he's doing great stuff on the X Men stuff. So, um, with X Men Legacy, but which is kind of funny when you think about that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so check it out. Um, if you want to pick up the unwritten volume one, you can go to InStockTrades.com and you can get it for. You ready? You know how much they're selling it for? Six dollars and twenty nine cents. Yeah. 37% off cover price for $6. There's no excuse not yeah. to get that. Exactly. I mean, it's 10 bucks cover, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So so even at 10 bucks cover. There's no excuse, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, head over to InStock Trades, and we want to thank them for sponsoring this episode. Uh, over at InStock Trades, you can save up to 37% off um, most titles. They've got free shipping on orders over $50. $50. They've got like over 9,000 trades and, and collected editions in stock. Um, they've got all the new releases that come out every Wednesday, and orders usually ship within 48 hours. So go to InStockTrades.com. You can get this month's book of the month, uh, the Unwritten Volume 1, for $6.29. So can't beat that. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Emails. All right. Vin writes. Is it Vin? Yes, yeah, Vin. All right. Vin says, hi, guys. I have a growing interest in Mike Allred's art and storytelling. I'm familiar with his guest appearances and fables and his run on Wednesday comics. And now I want to dive into his Mad Men series. Mad Men. At my local comic book store, I see Madman Atomic <laughs> Comics, Madman Comics, Madman the Atomics, etc. I'm and I'm unsure where to start. Which trades do you recommend I read first? Yeah, good question. Ron. It's a good question indeed. Um, here's the thing: Madman is is one of those. Which, by the way, before Mad Men was on AMC, like it's saying Madman Madman is impossible now. I can't say yes. it. Um, Madman. Really, season one is where you should start. So you should get that Don <laughs> Draper Kodak speech. Madman. Really, that's the whole show. <laughs> the carousel. Madman. <laughs> Madman Mad by Mike Allred is unique in that he has been published by Dark Horse, Oni, and Image. In that title, like he, he's a true creator owned, he's moved from publisher to publisher. Um, depends on how involved you want to get. If you're really committed, then there's a Mad Madman Gargantua hardcover, like an omnibus that um, Image put out that you can still probably find some uh, find online some places, and it's got all the old, really old stuff. Um, it's a big, thick book, big, thick omnibus. If you're kind of casual, you're not quite sure, then pick up Madman Volume Two from Image Comics, which picks a, which collects the run that just finished that they've been publishing. Um, so, but really pick up anything because there's Madman is kind of so out there. Um, if you like his art, you'll love the art in it. The story might be a little challenging because it's so existential and so kind of weird. Um, but Image has put out a bunch of bunch of uh, trade paperbacks. Pick up Volume One. Pick up Madman and the Atomics Volume One. It really doesn't matter. You're you're gonna enjoy it. There's no like continuity that you need to really follow. So, this is Ron saying that, so it yeah. must be. Yeah, totally. Just grab one and read it. Give it a shot. If you have any other email questions you want to ask us, you can write in at contact at ifanboy.com. And now we're going to do a couple of voicemails. I think we've, it's been a little while. It has been. It's not because it's not because of you guys. I'm talking to the audience, not you, not you two. It's us. It's us. It's It's not you. I invented that. (laughs) The first one is from someone. You should leave your name, people. 
OI fanboy, I was looking ahead at 2010 at the movies and noticing that there's going to be another great year for comic book movies. Got Kick-Ass, got Pilgrim. Um, okay, those are the only two that come to mind immediately, but they're going to be awesome. And I was just kind of wondering, which medium do you think does superheroes better? Movies or um, comics? Luckily, we had Ron do a little bit of research. I actually did um, some journalism here by looking at another journalist. <laughs> you did some blogging. Is what you so, did. so yeah, there, it's another, it looks like we're averaging like a, a good like five or six movies every year recently. Um, so he he missed a couple. Um, yeah. So so this is your order of comic book movies in 2010. Kick Ass is opening in April. The Mark Miller, uh, John Romita. Uh, we've seen the trailer. It's been on iFanboy.com. Uh, you forgot a big one there, buddy. Uh, Iron Man Two comes out in May on May seventh. Ooh, my birthday weekend. Um, Jonah Hex on June 18th uh, opening the same weekend as Toy Story uh, Scott, Pil- Scott Pilgrim vs. the World on August 13th uh, Red on November 19th which is a Warren Ellis spy comic that was adapted is, it, that, uh, is that even in production? I don't know it's, it's listed November 19th here so well if it's Warren Ellis there's a good chance that they announced it and it never came out <laughs> oh, <what's up? laughs> and then <laughs> And then finally, uh, Green Hornet on December twenty second with uh, with Seth Rogen. So, Is that in production? I, I really? See a, I see a picture here. Yeah. So, and and this guy who wrote this article I found said Hornet might just capture the pulp spirit that the spirit lacked. No, it won't. That's <laughs> anyway, what you want to do is compare it to the spirit, the movie no one thought of. So what I find really interesting though is that those are all comic book movies, and of those, only one of them is a superhero movie. Iron I like Man. that Iron Man. Oh, I guess Kick Ass. Kick-Asses, yeah. Kick-Asses, yeah, yeah. Kick yeah. So two. Yeah, so there are two of them. So his second question is, uh, what, um, is, you know, is, is, what does superhero stories better, comics or movies? Animation. <laughs> I, I have to go with comics. I yeah, mean, I have to, too. It's the, the form. The, yeah. I mean, you know, the long-term sort of... The, 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 the you know, the serialized story, the yeah. no, no budget, the, you know, is, yeah. So. And it's just based I, on imagination. Yeah. I think they both do... Better. They do things that are different and better. Yeah. All right, but if I had to pick one, I'd, I'd rather have the comics. I don't know. The, but the, sitting in the, the movie theater watching a superhero movie is a lot of fun. Yes. Eh. Yeah. It brings I, it brings I, the I, life away a comic could I, never do. Listen, I am not indicative of the general populace. We know this. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next voicemail's got a question. <laughs> it's got a question that I ask myself every Wednesday. Hello, this is Anthony from New York, and uh, I read. Project Superpowers, and I completely recognize its mediocrity, but I can't stop reading it. So uh, my question for you is, is there a book that you read that you recognize as not great, great comics, but you love it anyway? Thanks a lot, guys. Love the show. Take care. You know, we almost asked two questions, because it was, are there any books that aren't good that you're still reading, or are you okay with mediocrity? Interesting. You know, it's yeah. like that. Two different things. It is kind of two different things, and I think that I, I bet we all have very different answers for this. I know that like I have very little tolerance for if a book starts to bore me, I drop it immediately. Yeah, and so I tend to not do that. It's not a lot that I keep going that I get bored with. Um, but Ron, you you probably have a different call. Well, Ron and I, I think, similar in that we have a lot of loyalty to characters. So yep. Ron reads the X Men through thick and thin. He reads the Flash through thick and thin. I read the Batman books through thick and thin. Right now, I don't think they're mediocre, so I'm fine. But if they were mediocre, I'd still be reading them. So if they, it's a theoretical answer. As of two, word, only, two words for you. Flash Kids. Right. I dropped that one. I did not. I stuck with it. No, but, but Connor, you only do that with, with like a Batman book. Right. Because you did drop Flash. So, I did, yeah. 
you know, well, we all everything else is fair game. Yeah. Uh, supposedly we all have our lines that we draw I have yet to find that line (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about comics Ron I know I know I know but it's like you know and honestly like I'll be honest with you like actually this week I bought Uncanny X-Men first class number 7 and I made it about 4 pages in I'm like why am I reading this yeah you know like it's it's showing growth it's no, it's it's not it's not anything like not that it's bad but it's like Scott Gray writing it with pencils by Nelson DeCastro like like there's nothing special about this book anymore. It's not what Jeff Parker did a couple of years ago at all, you know. And so I was like, but the thing is, my thought process is, eh, it's issue seven. It's seven of eight. I just got one more to go. Yeah, <laughs> I, a- I find that with some books that start off really excellent, um, I I get to a point where I'll be reading it for a while and I won't have realized I'm not enjoying it. And then when I do, I get rid of it. And then there's some that I'm like, it's pretty good. I just don't really care. I drop those a lot. Yeah. It's hard to judge. Is it just the arc you don't like? Maybe it's just the right. story you don't like. And maybe the next arc will be a better story you like. Or yeah. just a, I because that'll that happen. Is... I mean, when you've got an issue coming out every month for your entire life, there's <laughs> going to be some arcs that you don't necessarily respond to, but maybe the next one you'll really like. And it's right. hard to say this is – I usually have to go a couple of arcs in a row where I realize, all right, this book is just not getting better before because I can't drop it on a one bad arc unless it's well, terrible. It's like I'll tell you – like I don't know why I'm still reading Buffy. I honestly don't. So stop. I'm, no. I, I want to know what happens. Well, <laughs> well, see, and that's the thing for me. Like I don't have a problem dropping a book because what happens is I find that I don't miss it. Yeah. Like when I stopped reading X Factor. Like I, I didn't miss it. I don't think. Oh, I wonder what's going on. Like yeah. even now, when like Ron, you've been like, oh, I read this. It was good it's again. Good again. I just, it is good yeah. again. I just, but I don't care. Like I don't yeah. feel like I miss it. I don't. I don't care what's happening. And that's why you don't have any meaningful relationships in your life. I've been married for years. Yeah, that's why you don't exactly. have meaningful relationships. I'm, relationships in your life. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of us are you talking about? <laughs> This is the most ridiculous Alice in Wonderland conversation we've ever had. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So if you have any questions, you can call us at 1-888-FANBOYS. It's 1-888-326-2697. Please leave your name. Please leave where you're from. Yeah, Mr. Keep- Anonymous comic book movie question asking guy. Keep it to 30 seconds. Thank you very much. Josh, tell them how they can help out iFanboy. You can help out iFanboy in all sorts of ways. If you like what we do, because we like what we do and we want you to like what we do, you can help us out in some ways uh, very direct, some ways not uh, just easy, simple things. Uh, you can go to the website. Make sure you click on the banners. These are the people who want to support us. They, 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 listen, we admit it. They send us money. <laughs> and the more that you click on the banners and buy their goods and services, the more they're going to do that, the happier we're all going to be. You will get quality things. You get how it works. If you want to buy things on Amazon.com, you don't have to do a damn thing, but go to Amazon.com slash – or I'm sorry, iFanboy.com slash Amazon. Click on the little Powered by Amazon button. It takes you right to the normal site. You can actually bookmark that as a way you get to Amazon. And then anything you buy from Amazon, you know, we, get, we get a little something from. Uh, and and that, that takes – if you were going to buy it anyway, that's what I'm saying. How cool would Amazon.com slash iFanboy be though? That would that be, be awesome. our goal. That's yeah, our goal. That would be cool. Should, that's our 20 We're coming for you. That's, uh, that's our stretch goal. Can, we have shirts. We have shirts you may have heard about. Uh, we, uh, we, just, we just got in our uh, uh, Battle Pug shirts by uh, artist Mike Norton. And from what I hear, they're quite fetching. They're very nice. We'll talk about those in a second. Okay. Those are heading out. And uh, we have some other shirts available, but I believe they're running low. And we're going to have more shirts coming too. So that's another thing. Buy some merch basically. Or you can be a, uh, an iFanboy member. An iFanboy member is a member of the audience who likes the show so much and wants to support it. They don't mind throwing a couple of bucks our way. 
every month. It's not a big thing. Four bucks a month or $42 a year. It's about the price of one comic book. I'm sure there's one of those mediocre comics that you don't want to be reading. Uh, and in doing so, you're taking responsibility and you're saying, I want to help support the show that I like a lot. In return, we are going to send you a prize pack with some stickers and buttons and a, a free random comic book that we make no guarantee of. Uh, of quality no quality like, guarantees whatsoever no that could be really funny though that's really kind of what yeah. we're going for uh oh countdown 34 great um but uh or you can uh come a little higher at ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars a year and that is for people who really want to show their support uh we don't require you to do either but if you want to uh we really do appreciate that and uh, in return we try to give out as much stuff to the members as we can recently members uh got to be the first to look at the graphically uh, beta for digital comics and we've given out a bunch of prizes just the other day on Twitter I just gave out a bunch of comic books for hey, the first member listen we, we just we we might be we're working on a giveaway in February that you're going to want to be a member for that's all we're going to say stay tuned but there's going to be a great, oh. a great giveaway come February So I heard about I want, that yeah. I want to win that giveaway no <laughs> I want to go to there <laughs> what if I become a member uh, yeah. uh, what if I give me four dollars a month technically speaking <laughs> If I handed Josh four bucks and he handed me four bucks, we both be members. I have to check the rules. Steph, this Same movie, this, four dollars. This job has definitely cost me more than four dollars a month. <laughs> I could guarantee that one. I had my scotch tape the other day. It cost more than four bucks. So anyway, yeah. so there's gonna be a great giveaway in February. So become a member by then. By the end of February, you'll want to be a part of that one. So. Yeah, As fine. Josh mentioned, the Battle Pug shirts came in finally this past week. If you are on iFanboy or Twitter, use you would have found that out. They are going out in the mail. If you pre-order them, they should be all out in the mail on your on the way to you. Um, one note is that we switched suppliers, which means the shirts are different stock, and we noticed that the female shirts, the ladies' shirts, run slightly smaller than the old version um, shirts. So if you are a lady, you order a shirt, and it shows up. <laughs> it's a different size than what you were expecting because you were based on the old shirt. Uh, send us an email. We can work out some sort of size exchange because they are they are different. They run smaller. More, they, they run more like women's shirts are supposed to run. One of the complaints we had about our old shirts was that the women's shirts ran really big. Yeah. These, these hey, are lady. normal size. Lady, so, you order a shirt? <laughs> you want a shirt? Um, so send, send us an email. Contact at ifanboy.com if you have any size problems with these new shirts. But they're all in the mail. They're pretty badass. I've been wearing my Battle Pug shirt most of this week. Um, and you so, hate dogs, oh, so yeah, really. I do that's, hate dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and um, also, if you go to you know ifanboy.com, we got a whole bunch of great stuff that Josh is going to tell you about in a second. But uh, don't forget that we do uh, don't the don't miss podcast every Monday. If you haven't subscribed to that, go to iTunes and subscribe to it. We've taken some time off on it around the holidays, but it's coming back at you. So you want to stay tuned to that to talk to hear about a uh, from a great creator for about a book that's coming out uh, this coming week. And then actually uh, this coming week, we're going to have a uh, talk explode interview with uh, Scott Alley, the uh, big wig editor in chief guy over at Dark Horse comics uh who also writes comics and he edits buffy and things like that so if you're a buffy fan or a dark horse fan you're gonna want to tune in uh, this coming thursday on ifanboy.com to hear that interview with scott alley awesome make sure you get over to ifanboy.com that is our website we do not just talk and put it out there we put a lot of work into putting up a website uh where we have all sorts of original writing and discussion and, and just talk about news and things that come out and just a whole bunch of stuff uh, and a really, really great community. So go to ifanboy.com and then go to ifanboy.com slash about and you can see who we are and find out other ways to hook up with us on the net. Like I said, we gave away uh, some stuff through Twitter. So you want to even make sure you follow us. Watch there. You never know what can happen. Uh, and then we also do a video show. Last week was kids or all ages comics. I don't think we've come up with a good term for that yet. But we already did the show. So what? Uh, next week we are going to talk about one of the most uh, 
consistent and preeminent runs in of comics in this this modern age, Ultimate Spider-Man. What? <laughs> you guys were there, right? I was there. Yeah. Right. Don't have to sound surprised. <laughs> right, right, right. You can send us an email at contact at ifanboy.com or call us on our voicemail line at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Any questions, comments, concerns, discussion, Thomas, complaints about Josh yelling at the listener base? <laughs> you know who you are, Josh. It's a show. <laughs> For entertainment purposes. Wait a minute, this is a show? You know, like, every time that, like, entertaining? I, make, I make fun of Ron, it's not like his mom calls and he was like, you know, it was very disappointed. She, uh, she in the calls way me, actually. Yeah, she, she doesn't have your number. I mean to tell you for these last five yeah. years, every, every Saturday. Mom! Every time I make a joke about Ron, she calls Connor. It's this <laughs> twisted cycle. It's a joke. Lighten up, people. You know what? If you write in, there's a good chance we're going to make a joke about something you wrote about. Yeah. Be prepared for that. All not, messages are for entertainment purposes. Jeez. Also, it's not really the decade. Anyway, so <laughs> le- we'd love to hear from you. This is not a documentary. Leave a voicemail too. One eight eight fanboys. It's three two six two six nine seven. If you like what yeah. we do, go to iTunes, write a review, let people know, tell your friends, tell your friends at the comic book store, spread the word about iFanboy. So thank you for listening. Pushing on through. Ron. Thank you for the iTunes recommendations. Forward. People who don't like this show always are like, "Oh, those guys don't know anything." We're like, "We know. <laughs> we know we don't know anything. We're making jokes. It's fun. We know a little bit. Yeah. I know this one guy. He makes comics. Anyway." So until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I am Josh Flanagan.